Thank you for listening to the Celebration Church podcast. For more information about Celebration Church, go to ccacron.org. There you will find information about our church, upcoming events, and how to make a contribution to the ministry of Celebration Church. We hope this message is an encouragement to you. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to ask if Sue will come, Sue Sluster. Why don't you welcome her as she comes on up here. Sue is a part of my wife's Tuesday morning women's Bible study, which by the way, if you're a lady, every Tuesday morning my wife has a Bible study at 10, 10 a.m. in the conference room. And uh, so Sue's a part of that and shared this testimony, and she, I'm sure she's loving the fact that we asked her to get up here and talk, but, but I'm going to ask her to share what God did, has been doing, and did a couple of weeks ago or a week ago. Okay, I'm actually going to read this because um, this makes me really nervous. So uh, <clears throat> this is um, last Sunday. It said, I had the most awesome experience with God. I was slain in the spirit for the very first time. There are no words to describe what happened. Pastor Heather came to me and wanted me to pray with and wanted to pray with me. I went to the altar and Mandy joined me. The last thing I heard was Pastor Heather saying, "You are not you have not done anything wrong. God just wants you to rest in him." The next thing I knew is I was on the floor with a black cover over my I feel so empowered, so blessed, so filled, running over. Alan says, "I want that. Whatever you received, I want it." I told him to pray about it and press into God. Oops. I found myself humming at work all night. Alan told me, I'm singing in my sleep. I thought, what? Okay. I admit I snore, but um, in my sleep, yeah, singing, yeah, that's not good. I had the best rest today, and I feel very refreshed. I talked to a young woman customer this morning. She comes in every morning. She seems a little down today. God told me to tell her, God loves you and always will. <laughs> at first, when God told me this, I thought, oh, Lord, I'm not supposed to do this at work. <laughs> Politics, religion, no, 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 I'm not supposed to do that. Okay, so she looked at me with these really big eyes, and she walked away. <clears throat> she came back, and she gave me a really big hug. She said a month ago, her grandma passed away. And her grandma was the one who raised her. And she used to say that phrase to her every day from the time she was a little girl until she grew up while her mom worked. Her name is Bonnie. She hugged me and said, thank you for the memory. She said, it's a precious memory to me. As I reflect on that moment, I was so glad I just stepped forward. I asked Alan about my singing. And he says, oh, well, it's some kind of a, I don't know, heavenly voice. And I said, heavenly voice? Yeah. My voice isn't that heavenly. Sorry. <laughs> uh, he said, you know, like your, prayer, like your prayer voice. And I said, you mean when I'm sleeping, I'm singing in the spirit? And he goes, yeah, that's actually what it is. And I said, so does that upset you? And he goes, no, it actually gives me a sense of peace and rest. It's awesome. That's awesome. You know, that's, that's supernatural. That's the touch of God. Um, you know, I, there, there have been many times where 
you know, Heather and I have, have experienced that where we'll wake each other up either laughing in our sleep or praying in the spirit in our sleep. And that's, that's supernatural. That's the touch of God on your life. When you, when you saturate, when you saturate in, the, in the presence of God, guess what's coming out? It's going to come out. You know, a lot of times when you're sleeping, you're at rest, and it's an opportunity for God to minister to you. And, uh, you know, what I, what I say, uh, you know, with Sue's situation, she's yielded. She's, she's perfectly yielded. She's sleeping, and the Holy Spirit's praying and singing and worshiping, and, and you, you have no idea what God's doing in those moments. It's awesome. Thank you, Lord. And, uh, and the overflow of that is ministry to others. That's, that's why. That's what we teach. That's what we preach. The, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And so we receive the power of God, the touch of God in our lives, and it flows out in ministry to others. That's, that's what it looks like. That's very practical. And it, and it doesn't have to be, you know, sometimes we hear that verse and we think, oh, we've got to do great exploits for God. We've got to, you know, turn the world up. Well, you're not ever going to turn the world upside down if you don't start with the one. You never be a world changer if you don't start with the one person that God's placed in your path that just needs to hear God loves you and always has and always will. That simple phrase, you know, it was the was the one phrase that was exact, and it was it was the word of God. And to us in our natural mind, we think, Lord, really, like Sue said, really, it's that's what you want me to tell them. That's really profound, you know, and it's the very thing that that she heard. All of her life from her spiritual influence that reminded her again, yet again, of the word of the Lord for her. Did she have to get born again in that moment? No, but that was seed and water. Seed and water. You just keep ministering, keep pouring out. That's awesome. Awesome. Thank you, Jesus. So get in. (laughs) I want to encourage you, get in. Get under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Get under the influence of the touch of God. That's why praying, laying hands on people and receiving ministry at the altar, receiving ministry at your seat, that's why all of that is so important because God begins to do a deep inner work on the inside of you. Awesome. Awesome, awesome. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We're going we're gonna to continue on our series today on the anointing, and I, I'm going to pick up where we lo- left off last week on how to increase the anointing, part number two. So uh, this, this series, I hope you all are enjoying this. I've had a lot of great feedback uh, from folks learning and, and beginning to understand the anointing. Remember, as we talked last week, the anointing is not a formula. Amen. The anointing is not a formula. It comes from relationship. If you're a believer, if, you're, if you are born again, you are anointed. Amen. It's just allowing God to increase that anointing and, and using the anointing of God in your life. In Luke chapter 4, let me give you some scriptures and we'll, we'll get into the teaching this morning. In Luke chapter 4, in verse... Let's see here, verse number 16. So he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Say, He's on me. Hopefully He's in you, He's on you, He's filling you, He's saturating your life. Because He has... Say that with me. Anointed me. Because he has anointed you 
To do what? To preach. The anointing is not, remember, the anointing is the power of God to get the job done. It's the equipment of God to do what he's called you to do. And what has he called you to do? Jesus says it right here, quoting Isaiah, to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. That is, that is our ministry right there. Go with me over to Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5. And verse, we'll start in verse 15. It says, However, the report went around concerning him all the more, and the great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. So he himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. And it happened on a certain day as he was teaching... Uh, verse 17, that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord, the anointing, the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Then behold, men brought a bed on a man, and the paralyzed man was healed. If you skip over to 1 John, 1 John chapter 2. In 1 John, John is addressing chapter 2. He's addressing the false teaching, the Antichrist that's coming. Antichrist, remember, anti-anointing. So he's talking about the one who's coming, who's against the anointing. And he says this in verse 20 regarding the Antichrist and those of us who are believers. He says, but you have an anointing from the Holy One. And you know all things. Verse 27 says, But the anointing which you have received from him abides in you, and you do not need that anyone teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things, and is true and is not a lie, and just as it is taught to you, you will abide in him. So talking about the power of the anointing, not forsaking the anointing, not being caught up in false teachings and false heresies. And then one last scripture before we get into the teaching. Isaiah chapter 10. Isaiah chapter 10, in verse 27 says, It shall come to pass in that day that his burden will be taken away from your shoulder and his yoke from off your neck, and the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing. anointing. So the anointing, as we said last week, is not a formula. It flows from relationship. A lot of people treat the anointing as the, or even God as a magic genie. When you're going through difficult time or difficult situation, just rub the lamp and Jesus will appear and solve all your problems. And that's not how the anointing operates. That's not the, that's not the presence of God. That's not how God operates. He's not your magic genie. He's not your, uh, your problem solver, on, a genie on the spot. He is, he is God. You have a relationship with him and the power of God, the anointing of God to get the job done flows out of that relationship. How I many of you remember our wonderful friend last week that kept going to seminar after seminar? He had to learn after seminar after seminar after conference after conference, and by noon he still hadn't shaved, brushed his teeth, or gotten ready for the day. If you missed last week's message, you just have to get the podcast and you'll understand. But but that's the, that's the religious bondage we live in. We have all of these things that we have to do. And we have to learn this and do this. And from 6 to 7, we've got to put on the armor of God. And 7 to 8, we've got to pray in the Spirit. And 8 to 9. And before you know it, we've got all these religious works and stipulations as believers that God hasn't even placed on us. Yeah. Now, I'll say this. 
If God tells you from 6 to 7 that you need to pray in the Spirit, then do it. But don't make a doctrine out of it and make everybody else do it. That's not, that's not the way to increase the anointing on your life. I mentioned last week that I always I grew up reading Smith Wigglesworth and all of these different uh, ministers, anointed ministers. And I thought, well, because Smith Wigglesworth prays four hours a day in the morning, that if I pray four hours a day in the morning, I'll be anointed. And I found I just got more tired. <laughs> I didn't feel anointed. I wasn't more anointed because I prayed four hours. I, actually, I don't think I made it once, a, you know, a full four hours. It just didn't work for me. And then I, then I read, you know, a particular minister. Everybody probably knows his name. I probably even said his name last week. That on the days that he ministers, he locks himself away from two in the afternoon until the time he preaches. So I tried that. I thought I need to go in a room and not be accessible from 2 o'clock until you know, the time that I preach. If it's 7 o'clock, then I need, to, I need to lock myself away and be inaccessible. And I need, to, I need to hear from the Lord and I need to preach my message to myself. Well, by the time the time came for me to preach, I was exhausted. I didn't want to get up and preach. I didn't even want to look at anybody. I'd been preaching the message. I didn't like the message anymore. I'd preach myself into oblivion. And uh, so we, we try to do all these formulas and things that other people use that God's spoken to them about, but it's not what God has spoken to us about. David could not use Saul's armor. David had to stick to the slingshot. He couldn't put on Saul's armor. He had to go out in the power and the anointing that God had placed on his life. If you try to wear someone else's armor, someone else's mantle, you'll get stuck, I promise. You've got to put on the anointing and the armor that God has given to you. Formulas carry the anointing of yesterday, not the anointing for tomorrow. Their formulas are based on what worked yesterday, but not what God is saying and doing for tomorrow. We have to have the heart of God, and we have to have the relationship with God. So I want to continue on in this teaching, uh, but before I do, let me say this. Regarding relationship, a lot of times as believers, you know, we, we take these messages, much like I'm going to share with you today, and, and we try to put the, the points into a formula. We've already covered that. <laughs> so don't take the information that I give you today and go try to create a formula out of it. This should be a, a, something that you can compare your life to and say, God, what are you speaking to me? These are things that are in Scripture. How does this apply to my life? Don't go out of here and say, well, Pastor Zach said that I've got to do ABC and then I'm going to be more anointed. That's not what I'm telling you this morning. I want you to increase the anointing on your life. I want you to be aware of the anointing. But you need to go home and, shockingly, you need to pray and meditate on the Word of God on your own and hear what God has to say about these areas of your life. Amen? In Exodus chapter 32, I'm, just, I'm going to take a, a quick segue here. This is not in my notes, but I want to say this about relationship with the Lord. In verse 1 it says, Now when the people saw that Moses delayed coming down from the mountain, the people gathered together to Aaron and said to him, Come make us gods that shall go before us, for as, for as for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we don't know what has become of him. You know, it's interesting that... All of the people who chose to stay at the base of the mountain, those that didn't go up into the presence of the Lord, 
had to find another God to worship. When you don't have the relationship with God, when you're not pressing into the presence of the Lord, when you're not going up the mountain in the relationship with God, you'll find yourself at the base of the mountain given into revelry and sin and compromise, and you begin to allow yourself to be caught up in the distractions at the base of the mountain instead of entering into the presence of the Lord. And so relationship is key. Having a relationship with God is important. In verse 7 of Exodus 32, in verse 7 says, Moses, let me get on to the right chapter it says verse 7 and the lord said to moses go get down for your people whom you <laughs> i love that for the people your people whom you brought out god was done with them for your people whom you brought out of the land of egypt have corrupted themselves they smelled they smelled of sin they smelled of revelry they smelled of compromise They've turned aside quickly out of the way which I've commanded them. They have made themselves a molded calf and worshipped it and sacrificed to it and said, this is your God. You know, we do the same thing. So, so don't, don't be so spiritual to sit there and think that you would never do that. We all do the same thing. We, we forsake our relationship with God and the priority of relationship for formulas. And we have to have something that our eyes can see. We have to have tangible success. We have to have a golden calf leading our way, leading the charge instead of a relationship with God. Lord, give us ears to hear. Give us sensitivity to what you're saying that we're not led astray by golden calves. So I want to continue on. In this teaching on the anointing, ways to increase the anointing. Number two, one was the anointing increases not from formulas but relationship. But number two, develop a lifestyle of receiving from the Lord. We all need to develop a lifestyle of receiving from Him. How do you receive from God? Well, there's a lot of ways that we receive from the Lord, but I want to highlight just a few. Obviously, you need to be a person of prayer. You need to spend time in the Word of God. You need to saturate yourself in the Word. You need to be in church, all of those things. So let's take a look at some of these. One, you need to be a person of prayer. Not just a ritual, not just coming in with your laundry list to God, but two-way communication with the Lord. Yeah. Come in and, and you have conversation with God and allow him to have conversation with you. It's absolutely important to increasing the anointing on your life. The other thing that I would say about prayer is we have, there's a lot of people who have gotten sidetracked in, in what I would call the peripherals of prayer. For example, uh, we talked about this one last week, but you've you got to... Do your spiritual warfare. You gotta go to the you gotta go to the library, know every you know, every demon that's ever set up principality in your area. You gotta pull down every stronghold and all of those great things. But we get sidetracked in these peripheral things, and most of the people who are engaged in that stuff aren't doing anything that Jesus said do, like go and preach the gospel. Remember, Jesus said, Go and preach the gospel, making disciples of all nations. He didn't say just go and pray. He said, go and preach the gospel. Prayer is the expected uh, lifestyle of believer. Prayer is the expected, you have to have a communication with God. There has to be ongoing communication with God. It's not the, uh, you know, it's not ritual. It's not recitations. It's not the formulas and the ingredients. It is ongoing communication with the Lord. And so we have to have a lifestyle of prayer, learning to listen to the Lord. Learning to listen to the Lord through prayer and learning to listen to the Lord through His Word. 
you know, there's a, there's a lot, and there's, there's great ministries out there these days that, you know, you have to get away and you have to pray, you know, because prayer is what's going to make the Lord come back quicker and all those wonderful things. Um, and don't get me wrong, I believe in prayer. I believe in the power of prayer, and there's times of intercession and times of travail, and we need to do that. We have to be people of prayer. But Jesus did not say, go lock yourself away for 24 hours, 365 days a year, and and seclude yourself in prayer. He said, go preach and go minister, and prayer should be a part of that as you go. Communication with God. I I can't expect as an employer or as an employee to go about my job and do my job without ever talking to my boss or talking to my employees. There has to be ongoing communication. If I want to have a relationship with my wife, I just can't go throughout the day. She's on her side of the house and I'm on my side of the house and we never talk. That's not how that works, right? We all know that. There has to be, on as much as some of you would like to do that, I'm sure, that your <laughs> husband stays on the other side of the house and leaves you alone. I'm sure that you, some of you here might like that. But it doesn't produce a healthy lifestyle. It doesn't produce a, produce a healthy marriage. And so the same is true of God. In Romans 8, 26, it says, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we don't know how we ought to pray, but the Spirit himself intercedes through us. This is why praying in the Spirit is so important. Praying in the Spirit is so important because you are praying the perfect will of God. You're praying the perfect will of God. You want to know how to pray exactly according to the will of God? Pray in the Spirit. And stop being so inquisitive. You know, we think we always have to figure God out. We have to know exactly, well, what was happening with Sister Sue while she was on the floor? You know, we just got to figure out what God was doing. Sometimes you have no clue what God was doing while you were laying on the floor. Sometimes you have no clue what you're saying when you're praying in the Spirit. And that's the point. Yield to God. Trust Him. Trust His Word. Trust what He's doing. Trust His ministry through, through you. Amen. Sometimes the Holy Spirit might just be praying about you when you're praying in the Spirit. And you don't need to know what you're praying about. The Holy Spirit might be saying something along the lines of, Father, would you help them with their stinking attitude? <laughs> Father, would you, just, would you cause them to break and to be broken in your presence? Yeah. Stop being so egotistical and so prideful and so fleshly and so carnal. You might not want to know what the Spirit is praying. Just let Him pray. Let him pray through you. Let him pray the will of God over your life. Oftentimes we have the, the attitude that we, we trust God more in his word than we trust God in the spirit. Then a lot of that comes from false teaching. It comes from abuses of doctrines and, and things in our past where, well, you know, I gotta trust, I'll trust God in his word, but, but if it's something that's Holy Spirit, I don't know if I can trust that. You know, I don't know if I can trust the power of God and touching people and then praying in the Spirit or falling on the floor, the different things. Listen, let me say this. The Holy Spirit's not just a language. He's a person. He is the Godhead. He is part of the Godhead. It's three in one. There is no separation. Jesus is not offended when you talk about the Holy Spirit. Amen. (laughs) Jesus doesn't get offended that Jesus actually said, I've got to go. It's to your advantage that I go so that the Holy Spirit can come. We could have set up shop with Jesus in Jerusalem for eternity. Jesus could have just camped out in Jerusalem. 
He could have stayed there and every Christian through the ages could just go flock to Jerusalem and enjoy a a visible, physical Jesus in Jerusalem. But he said, nope, I'm going to ascend that the Father may send his promise, the Holy Spirit. And so we can have relationship with God individually through the person of the Holy Spirit. And so if if you've heard bad doctrine or seen abuses, well, who hasn't? Who hasn't? We've all been there. We've all seen those things. There's, there's, not a, there's not a doctrine in Scripture that we haven't seen abuses of. But does that mean that we just throw the baby out with the bathwater? Does that mean we don't believe it because someone has abused it at some point? No, it means we have to dive into Scripture. We need to understand what the Scripture says. We need to understand what the Word says and begin to live it out. You can trust the Holy Spirit. The Bible says in Isaiah 12, 3, with joy you will draw from the waters of salvation. Praying in the Spirit is like sending a bucket down into the waters of salvation and drawing it up, and it's released by praying in the Spirit. And as you begin to pray in the Spirit, it's, it's drinking and taking in those waters. I'm trying to give you a, a, an analogy here. The, the, the joy of the Lord is like the pulley. And so the, the, joy and the joy of the Lord and praying in the Spirit, the anointing, all go hand in hand. The anointing is the power of God. The joy of the Lord is our strength. All of them work in tandem. You can't have a depressed, anointed ministry. <laughs> if, you're, if you call yourself anointed and all you do is try to put people in bondage because of your anointing, that's not anointing, that's deception. Amen. We don't live we we don't live under the bondage of the old covenant. Amen. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. We live under the covenant of God's grace. That doesn't mean we throw out the law, but thank the Lord for the grace of the Lord. We live under so we need to have a life and a ministry that exudes the power of God and the joy of the Lord. If what you're doing is depressing you, you need to stop and check your pulley. You may need some grease. You may need some spiritual grease on your pulley and allow the joy of the Lord to flow through your life. Praying in the Spirit is is increasing that joy. It's increasing the anointing. Learning to trust the Holy Spirit. And then, of course, we have to have time to study the Word. We receive from God through His Word. Lord, speak to me. You know, Heather, Heather made mention... Of this, of this phrase Wednesday night, and I'm going to steal her thunder and use it again. But in Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8, in Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8, it says, um, let me just go there. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. That word meditate in the Hebrew means to take like a cow takes cud. If you were here on Wednesday night, Heather had a very very good visual of, of cows chewing cud. So if you, if you missed that, you just, you missed it. You got to come on Wednesdays. <laughs> but to help you out, I think the media, I, we've got this picture during this week. Uh, maybe that will help you get an image here of what meditating on the word is like. And so a cow takes the, takes the cud and begins to chew it, begins to chew on it, chew on it, 
chew on it, chew on it, chew on it. They chew on it all day. They chew, chew, chew. They chew, 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 chew on. And this is, remember, meditating on the word. This is what, this is what the Hebrew says. This is what God told Joshua to meditate. And then what do they do? They swallow it. But they're not done. They're not done. They swallow it and then they, I know this is just crass on a Sunday morning, but they regurgitate it and they chew some more. That is what meditating on the Word of God is like. You need to chew and chew and chew and chew and chew and chew. And as you chew and chew and chew and regurgitate it and chew and chew, God begins to speak to you and the nutrients from the Word of the Lord begin to be received into your system. And you begin to receive the health from the Word of the Lord. Y'all got the visual. So thank you for whoever shared that picture with us this week. It made it into the message. I love that picture. Now here's the other side of that. We, sometimes we get so headlocked and spirit bound because all we, have, all we do is read, read, read. And there's a difference between reading and meditating and allowing the Spirit of God to impact you. I can read all day long and get knowledge and I become all bound up in my head. I get stuck in my head. And so you'll, you'll hear us say often, don't, don't think, just drink, get out of your head, in your belly. We have our little catchphrases like that. The reason, the reason we come up with these catchphrases is to help people get unstopped. Some of you need, need a Holy Ghost rotor rooter to come into your brain and just unclog yourself. You just clogged up, stopped up in the Word, and you got to figure everything out, and it's all going to make sense, and it's all going to line up, and you got your formula, and you got the Word, and you got this, and, and you get so bound up in, the, in Word, 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 and that you miss, you miss Jesus and all of it. You get so bound up in your, in your rituals, and i got to read this, you know, like we talked about last week. I won't regurgitate that. We got it. <laughs> you, get so, you get so stuck that there's, it's bondage to your spirit man. Because if God doesn't move how you think he should, it's wrong. Oh, I got quiet in here. Don't shout me down when I'm preaching truth. You, well, you, if God doesn't do how you think he ought to, then it's wrong, it's not God, and so we need to move on. We don't like to be challenged. We want the path of least resistance. So if something or someone challenges me, then we just got to go to another church and go somewhere else because that, we don't want to be challenged. We want to be comfortable, right? We want to be comfortable. Mike, Mike uh, Sloan sent me a text this week from the book that they're reading in Sunday school. And how people, what was it, 90% of people that have heart attacks, 90% of people who have heart attacks, go back and continue eating the greasy fried food, foods and all the junk they were eating before that caused the heart attack. They never change. They don't want to change. They'd rather die than change the way that they eat. And how many times, like, as believers, we're like that? We'd rather, we'd rather die happy in our sin then have someone challenge us. Now let me say this. Sometimes we get stuck. In our, in, there's a difference between absolutes and non-absolutes. Let, let's take a look. at 2 Timothy says this. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15 says, Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. There's a wrong way and there's a right way. Sometimes we get stuck 
in, in the non-absolutes. What do I mean? Well, absolutes in the Word of God are obviously the virgin birth, salvation by grace through faith, baptism in the Holy Spirit, divine healing. All of those things are absolutes. But sometimes we get stuck in non-absolutes. We get, we get caught up in things in Scripture that, well, for example, women ought to sit and be quiet. How many of you have heard that? And we've exhausted that. I mean, the body of Christ has exhausted that non-absolute. We have whole denominations that are based around women preachers. I mean, really, we, get, we really get stuck on some of the stupidest things. I, I, Jesus must have, have missed it. God must have made a mistake when he appointed the first evangelist to be Mary Magdalene. I mean, really, because that, that is improper that a woman should be a preacher. She, she shouldn't be proclaiming the gospel. God must have made a mistake when Mary Magdalene was the first person to go and proclaim that Jesus had risen from the dead. I mean, really, those are, but those are the kinds of things that we get stuck on as believers and limits the anointing from flowing in our life. And we're stuck, we're too busy in the non-absolutes. I really think that the enemy would try to keep us stuck in the peripherals and the non-absolutes because it keeps us inactive for the gospel. It really keeps us in that. We get so bound up and so stuck on, well, did it look this way and go this way? Did A plus B equal C? And if it didn't, then it must be wrong. Have you gone to your time with the Lord privately and asked Him what He thought about that? Have you taken time to hear from the Lord about His direction in that situation? In Revelation it says, He who has ears, let him hear. That tells me not everybody who has ears hears, right? Not everybody who has ears is hearing. Everybody grab your ears. Just make sure we all know who, where our ears are. Everybody grab your ears. Grab them. Yep, here we go. Give them, give them. Come on, enter, entertain me here. Some of you are just, I don't want to grab my ears. I'll look foolish. You look foolish. We all look foolish. We were created with ears. We look foolish. Everybody say, he who has ears, let him hear. Let him open your ears today. Amen. Let him, let, him, let him give you ears to hear what he's saying. Listen, you know, I, I value so much hearing from the Lord, hearing from God. You, you, can, you can take ministry, you can take the home everything just take it but don't take my ability to hear from the lord i need lord don't take your holy spirit from me i need to be i need to be able to hear from god and sometimes to understand the anointing and the flow of the anointing and what god's doing you have to listen you have to take time you have to tune into god and listen we say you got to turn on your spiritual radar you got to get your antennas up and you got to turn on your spiritual radar and tune in to what God's doing. You got to tune out. You know, this morning I had to tune out. Every Sunday morning I have to tune out. <laughs> There's always something that would distract me. And I've, I've got to tune out the distractions and I got to tune in to what the Lord's saying. I've got to tune in to what He's saying and what He's speaking. You, we all need to make a habit of that. We need to make it a practice. Tune out, turn out the, the volume of the world and shut off all the other faucets. You know, that's another phrase we use. If you, if you had a, all your faucets running around in your house and some of you spiritually look like you're running from sink to sink to sink to, to see what's going on with the sink and why the water's running. 
You're just, you're, all you're doing is, is trying to maintain a running faucet in your life. Just go to the faucet and turn it off. Turn off the cell phone. Turn off the Facebook. Turn off the news apps. Turn off the newspaper. Turn off the phone. And hear from the Lord. So there are times where I'll, I'll be in, in services and ministering or different things. And I'll, and I'll just tune out. And somebody will try to talk to me. And I'm just like, What's, what? I'm sorry. I totally missed you. I was busy listening to somebody else. And that we need to hear from the Lord. We need to have His direction. Hearing from God is so important. John chapter 10, verses 5 through 27 says, Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Verse 27 says, My sheep hear my voice. Say that with me. My sheep hear my voice. Voice. We have to hear the voice of the Lord and be directed by Him. In Romans 8, 14, it says, For as many are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. So when you begin to yield yourself to your carnal nature and your sin, that's where deception comes in. You're no longer being led by the Spirit of God. You're being led by deception. And you're being led off captive to your sinful nature instead of following the Spirit of the Lord for your life, instead of following His direction. The anointing does not flow when you're operating in your your sinful carnal nature when you're lost and ensnared and in bondage it it weakens the anointing of God on your life and inhibits it from flowing and then all of a sudden we think it's God's fault because people aren't getting breakthrough and things aren't happening well the reason that's that might not be happening is because you're living in sin Get out of the sin, have your pure heart, clean heart, clean hands, and begin to come before God with, with, a, with a clean conscience and a clean heart. Live pure before the Lord, and He'll direct your steps. Thirdly, we've got to live a life of private worship. How do you receive from the Lord? Through private worship. What you do in private is very visible in public. If you live a life of private worship, it shows on Sunday morning. It's real easy to look around a crowd and tell who doesn't live a life of worship in their private time. Uh oh, y'all are getting quiet up in here. When you're driving, what does this look like? Well, when I'm driving down the road, I've got worship music going. When I, when we're at home, we worship with Zoe. We pray with Zoe. It's part of our life. We're going through the day. Heather has a habit of singing in the spirit. You can always tell where Heather is in in the offices or at home because she's usually singing in the spirit somewhere. I sing to myself. I I like music and I'll sing and I'll find myself just singing a song, walking through the halls or doing stuff at home, singing or humming. But live a life of worship. Tune in through worship. In Psalms 34, verse 1, it says, I will bless the Lord at all times. You have the opportunity, you and I have the opportunity to perpetually bless God. Have you thought about that, that you bless God? That you have the opportunity to bless the Lord? When you come and you sing and you worship, it blesses Him. He's blessed by your worship. That word, to bless the Lord, is the word barak. It means to kneel. This is, this is awesome. When you barak, when you praise, you kneel before him. And as you kneel and worship before him, the picture is that he's pouring something back on you. He's adorning you with his glory. So when you kneel before God, as you barak before God, you're kneeling and worshiping him. And he's adorning you with his glory. That is, I will bless the Lord at all times. I will kneel before you, Lord, at all times. And I will receive from you at all times. 
It's both ways. Absenteeism or tardiness with our private time with God results in a casual commitment to our corporate fellowship. How do you receive from God? You do it privately and you do it corporately. When you're absent with God privately, you'll be absent with God corporately. It would be lack of commitment to the church, lack of commitment to, to the fellowship with the body of believers, lack of commitment to giving. Lack, all of those things are byproducts of a lack of a private time with the Lord. How do I know that? Because if you're having time with God privately, He's going to speak to you about your lack of tithing. He's going to speak to you about your lack of commitment to the church. He's going to speak to you about your lack of fellowship with the believers. He's going to speak to you about your lack of ministry and involvement in what God's doing in his local body. Why? Because that's how God operates. If you want to talk to, if you want to, talk to your friend in California, what are you going to do? You're going to get on your phone and you're going to call them. You're, going to, you're not going to go stand outside your house and say, hey, Mike, Mike. Of course, he's not, Mike's not going to hear you from Ohio to California. You've got to get on the phone, right? You've got to use the communication that God's given you. You've got to use the channels God's given you to communicate. And when you do, guess what? You receive from Him and you pour back on Him. You have to have personal study time, reading time. How do you receive from the Lord? Your personal time. Personal study, personal reading. We encourage everybody to go back and read, read those who are proven, who have proven ministry. I say read the dead people. Read those who have proven ministries and proven doctrine. Go back and read. Dig the ancient wells and stop listening to watered down stuff. Most of the modern stuff is so watered down, you don't even get the full, the full gospel. You get about half of it. <laughs> and most people are afraid to preach the full gospel these days, so that's why they water it down. Full gospel doesn't build a successful ministry, right? Full gospel is uncomfortable. People don't like that. So you have to go back and redig the ancient wells. Go read the old authors. Take in what God's saying and speaking. Go compare it to the Word of God. Go read the Word of God and take what they're saying and compare it and see the glory of God in it. It's absolutely important to our spiritual life. The second, third commandment, I may not make, I'm definitely not going to make this unless you all want to stay here until 2 o'clock. I'm not going to make all this. But 1 Samuel, I just, I'm sharing with you some of the things that I've learned in ministry and some of the things that I've taught regarding the anointing. In 1 Samuel chapter 3, we find the story of Samuel and Eli. I won't take the time to read all of it. I would encourage you to go read it. But how, how does the anointing increase in your life? Number three, you've got to quiet yourself and listen to the Lord. Samuel was to be the greatest prophet. And God was speaking to him at night. And he went to Eli. Eli, what you want? I'm, I'm right here. Tell me. And Eli finally got it. The Lord's speaking to you. We need to settle ourselves and hear from the Lord. We talked a little bit about that with prayer. You've got to meditate on the scripture. When we moved to Akron, of course, that was a big, you know, big decision for us. And we had to hear from the Lord. We had to settle ourselves, still, still ourselves, our emotions, our wants, our desires. We had to quiet that down to hear from the Lord. And I'll never forget, there were, there, were three, there were three things that I had said, Lord, I need you to take care of if this is going to happen. And on three separate occasions, I had three dreams 
And the Lord spoke to me in those dreams. There, I, there was nothing, well, two of them, there, it was, there was nothing visible. It was just, I heard the voice of the Lord in those, in those dreams speaking to me. And then the third one was, was a dream about the house that we're now living in. That he would provide housing for us. Because I said, God, we have to have a house. If I'm going to move my family across the country, we've got to have housing taken care of. And, and we have three days to get a house while we're there in June. This was in June. We have three days to find a home in the middle of June. How many of you know in this area that's really challenging to do? If the Lord provided. The Lord speaks to me a lot through dreams. That's, how, that's, one, of the things that, that's one of the ways that God uses to speak to me. Is, in, is through dreams. Now, not, all, not always is that. Sometimes the Lord speaks to me through, through just an inner witness. He'll speak. I'll just have an inner witness by the Holy Spirit, and He'll bring up a scripture, and I'll start meditating on that scripture, and I'll have the direction from the Lord that I need by meditating that scripture. Sometimes people will say, well, what do you want to do about this, or how do you want to handle this? And I'll say, let me think about it. What that means is, let me meditate on it, and let me commit it to prayer, and, and think about and meditate on what God's direction is in this situation. So we have to take time to hear from the Lord. We have to quiet ourselves and tune in to what he's saying. We have to have his voice speaking to us. I'll never forget right before we moved. You know, this is just another way that God speaks. We were in worship in New Orleans and we were singing the song, Oceans. We sang it, I think, last week. And in the middle of this song, I, re I remember very vividly, the Lord speaking to me, and he said, will you, will you walk on the water with me? And, and there was just that one word I knew God was speaking to move. When he said, you know, God gave us multiple scriptures, and they were confirmed through other people who said, this is the word of the Lord for you. We, and they had no idea of the situation in our lives. But we had two or three scriptures that God had given us about the move that other people confirmed with us. So we have to take time to hear from the Lord, quiet out all of those other things, and to hear the voice of the Lord. Amen? Number four, don't follow the manifestations. Follow Jesus. You know, manifestations are going to happen. When you get in the presence of the Lord and the anointing starts starts moving and ministering and things are happening, the manifestations are going to happen. But, but here's the thing. I don't, if someone's having a party, if we're, we're having a party and God's pouring out gifts and blessings, I don't come to the party just to wear the party hat and say, oh, I've got, I'm at the party. No, I, I've come to the party because I have a relationship with God. I mean, there's people that run all over the place from, they got to run to the next manifestation. There's gold dust, let's go over there. Or there this, you know, there's flags at this church, so let's go wave the flags over here. And let's, uh, you know, whatever. There's, and listen, I believe in all of those things. We've, I've seen some incredible manifestations. God's done awesome things. We've had, I've had gold dust on my hands praying for people, all of that stuff. It's, not, it's the presence of God. When you get in the, the river of God, as Mitko said when he was here, when you step into the river, everything that's flowing from heaven flows down on you. And sometimes it manifests physically and sometimes it's spiritually. And, but I don't get caught up in all that. So what? We have gold dust. I'm not going to go to the scientist and say, hey, can you scrape all the gold dust off my hand and put that in a jar so I can sell it? 
it and we want to test it. That's a bunch of baloney. We don't do all that. We stay with Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Thank God that he's touching people and he's changing people. And all of those signs and wonders are just that. They're miraculous signs and wonders to catch people's attention. But while you have their attention, are you preaching the gospel? While you have their attention, are you ministering Jesus in that moment? That's really what it's all about. Thank the Lord people fall, uh, fall on the floor at our church. Thank the Lord they fall. <laughs> Maybe they'll get something while they're down there. <laughs> Maybe they'll have a spiritual surgery while they're on the floor. But I don't worship the falling. And it's not going to sidetrack me if people do fall. I said, thank you, Jesus. Let's keep going. God's touching them. Let's move. Let's keep going. We don't make a big scene over. We don't make a big deal about it. God touches people. When, people, when there's messages in tongues or gifts of the Spirit and operation, thank the Lord. We honor God and His gift. We receive from the Lord. But let's do something with it. Let's not just receive from God and sit, soak, and sour. Let's receive from the Lord and go minister to people. We have a bunch of sour Christians. <laughs> we have a bunch of sour Christians because they sit and soak and don't pour out. You become like the Dead Sea. No outflow. You've got you to pour out. So we don't get caught up in the manifestations. You know, people, people will love to put you on a pedestal. They love to put you on a pedestal and they'll watch you when you fall. Don't give in to quick flattery and recognition. Heather was asking me the other day about something. I said, what do you think, blah, blah, blah. I said, I don't know. They flatter me too much. I don't, I don't trust them yet. <laughs> and she looked at me and she said, what are you talking about? And I said, well, I don't do flattery. That doesn't, doesn't do anything for me. I've, seen, I've had people flatter, flatter me and say all sorts of nice things and stab me in the back the next minute. I don't, I don't put my trust in that. I keep my eyes on Jesus. Keep my eyes on Jesus. You may follow me, but keep your eyes on Jesus. Hopefully when you hear me preach, you're hearing Jesus. Hopefully when you see ministry here, you're hearing Jesus. You're tuning in to Jesus, not what Pastor Zach or Pastor Heather say. And don't, don't you dare go out and preach the message of Pastor Zach and Heather. Don't you dare do that. I want you to receive the anointing of God in your life. Let it increase. Have your own encounter with Jesus. Have your own experience with Jesus. And like Sue, you can stand up and say, I don't know what this means, but... But I think God says to tell you that he loves you and always will. Just go, go share the gospel of Jesus. Number five, there are no shortcuts to the anointing. If you're looking for a get-rich-quick scheme, the anointing, it doesn't work that way. The anointing is very costly. It's free, but it will cost you your character. It will cost you, remember, the anointing always goes the way of Gethsemane and the cross. David was faithful. He was anointed to be king. He served, and he ran for his entire life, practically, and his son tried to overtake the kingdom. Joseph was hated. He was sold by his brothers into slavery. He got to Potiphar's house finally, and his wife lied. Potiphar's wife lied about him, and then he ends up in prison. Thirteen years later, Esther, Mordecai, you know, Esther and Mordecai basically risked their life to do what they were doing. The apostles, uh, let's, let's not even begin there. The, every single one of them, except for John, was martyred. 
I said this last week, the gospel is not a win friends and influence, uh, influence people message. The gospel is the most challenging and most confrontational message ever. You're a sinner in need of a savior. And you start, you start telling people that and they're like, well, you're judging me. <laughs> I'm not judging you. I'm telling you the truth. You're, you're a sinner in need of a savior. We're all sinners. And people get so caught up right now that, you know, the big focus, there's all, every, every so many years there's a focus. Everybody gets caught up and enamored with something. Right now it's the homosexual agenda and everybody's caught up. Listen, <laughs> we're all sinners. Whether you want to call it homosexuality, lying, sitting in church gossiping, whatever you want to call it, it's all sin. People say, well, where do you stand? I stand at the fact that we're all sinners and we need the blood of Jesus to cover our lives every single day. I don't care who you are or what your sin is, period. All the, you had all these preachers out there trying to twist the gospel and say, well, my view, you know, my view about homosexuality, I don't know, maybe it's changing. And, well, you know, baloney. The word of God doesn't change. Sin is sin. Does that mean that we condemn and judge and all? No. Sin is sin. You're a sinner just like the person sitting, you ugly thing, you sitting and gossiping about your pastor. <laughs> We're all being transformed. Number six, don't forget where you came from. Yeah. Stay humble. Number seven, Develop godly character. You can have the anointing. Saul was anointed. He was king. And yet he was a murderer. You can be anointed by God and have no character. Here's my challenge for you. Ask God to give you the character to sustain the anointing he releases in your life. Instead of asking for more anointing, how about asking for more character? The anointing's available. The anointing's flowing. You have to step in, and it's there. But character takes development. Character takes the Holy Spirit bringing you into the places of, shall we say, intense fire. Our interns are having to, to learn this. They, uh, you know, we, we do regular intern meetings, and we always have issues. If you're going to be in ministry, you've got to learn how to do ministry, and you're going to be, the fire is going to be turned up. My job is for interns and for you as sheep is to turn up the fire. Let the fire of God burn. Get on the sacrifice. Get on the altar, baby. Let it burn. Burn, baby, burn. Let the, let the Holy Ghost have his way. And uh, recently we had an intern meeting and, and half the interns didn't show. They overslept or forgot or whatever the case was. My fire was burning. Let's see how that works when you're pastoring a church and you show up late or don't show at all for your service. Let's see how that goes. How does that happen? How does that work? So needless to say, they got assigned a bunch of projects around the church and hopefully while they were working, their character began to be shaped and molded. So you have to allow God to begin to shape and mold your, char your character. Guard fiercely against a large ministry and a shrunken heart. You can have a successful ministry. You can have a successful ministry 
and do all the right things. Unfortunately, in today's culture, you can build a successful ministry, do all the right things, and have no substance. How you respond to the work of God in you will affect how God works through you, the work of God around you. Number eight, honor your authority. <laughs> Y'all got quiet in here. <laughs> Amen, pastor. Honor your authority. Hebrews 13, 17 says, Obey those who rule over you and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls, as they must give an account. You know what? If I have to give an account, you will have to give an account. How you respond to your authority, you will give an account to. If you, if you don't understand... And instead of going and, as the Bible says, go to those who have offended you, instead of doing that, you go and you gossip and you talk bad about them. And I'm not just talking about myself. I'm talking about your small group leaders. I'm talking about our church leadership. I'm talking about your bosses. I'm talking about our government. I'm talking about every area of authority that God's placed in your life. If all you do is backbite and gossip and all of those things and don't pray for and support, you'll give an account to that. Yeah, y'all are getting quiet. We'll just move right along. When you don't understand and you honor your authority anyway, it develops the character of God in you. There have been many times I have had those in leadership over me that have said things, and I have thought, you have lost your ever-loving mind. Anybody ever thought that before? You have no clue. You have no clue. We have an intern meeting coming up. You, You have no clue. And then I find myself saying, Lord, what, how am I supposed to handle this? this is, it's, not a, it's not a heaven or hell issue. They haven't gone against the word. This isn't, they're not breaking the, the word of God here, but I just don't agree with it. And the Lord say, honor them. Yeah. Do it anyway. And I have found myself doing it anyway. And there have been times when I have been honored as a result of doing it. And there's been times that I just got beat some more. <laughs> but the character of God was developed yeah. on the inside of yeah. me. We've had people say, wow, you, you have a lot of wisdom for being young. And you, you, know, you seem to have a lot of experience and a lot of understanding of the word for being young. And I don't, I don't take that as a flattery. I take it as you have no idea the beatings and the altars of sacrifice that it has taken to get where I'm at. So don't, don't even go there. Don't even judge me or criticize me. You, you come live and walk the journey and get on the altars with me and then we'll talk. <laughs> I don't say that arrogantly or pridefully. It's truth. You can't look at the person on the platform and make a judgment call based on having no experience of, or understanding of what they've gone through or who they are as a person. Yeah. The character of God is being developed on the inside yeah. of them. You don't walk in the anointing. And have a ministry that is sustained without character. It's true. When the anointing comes and you don't have the character, you look at the life of Saul, it will drive you mad. It will drive you mad. If the anointing of God comes on you and you are living carnally and you try to walk in your carnal nature and try to manage the anointing of God, the two cannot coexist. It will drive you insane. It will expose you and it will drive you insane. We've seen this repeated throughout history. Men and women of God who have been exposed for moral failures and, and, and things in their lives. Why? Because the anointing of God resident on their life and carnal nature cannot coexist. Yep. Oil and water, it's not going to happen. 
I've heard many times people say about, uh, you know, and you can look at history, you can take a look at Swagger, you can look at um, PTL, you can look at all these ministries and thank the Lord for them. And we've learned from them. Thank God. Hopefully we've learned something from them. But I've heard it repeated and repeated and repeated and said and said and said. They were at the height of their ministry when things happened. Isn't that always true? That when people are experiencing some supernatural breakthrough is the time. Why is that? One, anointing and the anointing and the sin can't coexist. The greater the anointing, the more exposure. And then secondly, the devil will always cash in on your sin when it costs hell the most or costs heaven the most. The devil will always cash in when you've, when you've been living in sin and carnality and character issues and all of those things. The devil will always cash in when it costs heaven the most. That's his, that's his job. That's his goal. So it's better that you learn to have the character of Christ now and let God change you now. Honor your authority. Allow God to shape and mold you. Number nine, the anointing is not for your cause it's for his purpose. You know, we get on our we get on our motivational things and we say, oh, we, you know, I'm anointed to do this and do that, or whatever the case is. Great example of this is Peter. Peter was expecting Jesus to be the next political leader, and what did he do? Jesus, you're not I'm not gonna let you arrest them, and he pulls out the sword and cuts off Malchus ear for his cause, for his purpose, and in comes Jesus, pick, picks up the bloody ear, puts it back on Malchus, and heals his ear. Let me say this, don't go chopping off ears that Jesus has to come back and heal. Don't go after your own agenda and your own purposes and your own plans. Jesus said, preach the gospel, minister to the hurting, minister to the broken. The anointing is not for your purpose and your cause. Treasure the anointing, treasure the power of God at work in your life. And number 10, God uses the weak and the foolish things. (laughs) I don't feel qualified. I don't, good. Jesus is looking for you. I don't feel like I, I have the skills. Good. That's who Jesus is looking for. First Peter 2.7 says, The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. Those who would reject Jesus say, Oh, you know, he's, what could Jesus do? What good could ever come from Nazareth? Was the very one that Jesus, God used. He became the cornerstone. First Corinthians 1.27 says that God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. Notice this, God chooses to use the foolish things and the weak things, but it does not say God uses inactive things. If you want God to use you, you have to engage. You may be weak, you may not have the skill set, you may not have the ability or the talent, you may feel absolutely useless, but do something. Begin to set your hand to the plow and begin to do something, and that's when God will use you. He uses the weak, he uses the the foolish, but he can't use the inactive. You can sit like Jabba the Hutt and just and be 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 a spiritual slug. That's what some Christians look like. You know, that's what they go. That's how they go through life spiritually. They just slide around you and tell everybody else to do their job for them. Or you can take to the plow and allow God to begin to use you and allow the anointing of God to flow through you. Everyone in this room, I want you to stand to your feet. Everyone in this room, 
God has anointed you. God has anointed you. God has given you His power and His ability to use you in a supernatural way. God has anointed you to do incredible things in and through your life. He wants to use you to reach this community, impact this region. Are you listening? God wants to use you in a supernatural way. But you can get caught up in the rituals and, the relation, and all the formulas and not the relationship. You can get caught up and sidetracked to the peripherals. Or you can engage and say, God, here am I. Send me. Take me in the middle of a perverse generation and use me. Who is it that you've placed in my life, Lord? I'm not just talking about laying hands on somebody so they get goosebumps. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about you engaging in supernatural ministry. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, thank you for the anointing. Thank you for your power. Thank you for your power at work within us. Hallelujah. Lord, we listen. We tune in to heaven, Lord. We receive from you, Jesus. We receive from you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. I trust that the Lord speaking to you today about walking in the anointing, increasing the anointing in your life. It's about what you value, friend. Really, at the end of the day, it's about what you value, where your treasure is. Do you value the kingdom of God? Do you value the things of heaven? Do you value the things of God? Or are the things of this natural life more valuable to you? You'd rather have your comfortable car and home and have your best life now and instead of getting out of your comfort zone and letting God do something. Sure, God will bless you. God will take care of you, but but is your value on Him and His kingdom more than it is on earthly things? When you begin to value the presence of God and you begin to value the kingdom of God, you begin to value the anointing. You begin to value His church. You begin to value the things that God values. in your heart for God to use you in a supernatural way. And you want the anointing to increase. You want the character of Christ in you to increase. You want your prayer life to increase. Some preacher doesn't have to tell you to do this. It happens because you value. You value God. You value your relationship. So Lord, help us evaluate today where our value is. sense the Holy Spirit speaking to you today. Yeah, He's opening your eyes to things unseen today. He's opening your eyes to things you've not seen. Maybe areas of deception. Thank you, Lord, in your own life that need to need the light and truth of the Word. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. you today, friend? How is it with your soul? How is it with your soul? If you don't value 
the kingdom of God, if you don't value your relationship with God, the question then becomes, do you have a relationship with God? See, everything to you. I don't say this religiously. I say this because it's the truth. He's everything to me. And it's not just because I'm a preacher. I was like this before I was a preacher. He's everything to me. I can't live without Him. I can't live without His presence. I can't live without His anointing. I can't live without hearing from Him. I can't, I can't survive without being in the Word. I can't survive without praying in the Spirit. I can't. It's a part of who I am. Thank you for joining the Celebration Podcast. For more information, visit ccacron.org or call us at 330-762-7458. You can also download the Celebration app from iTunes or the Android store. With my father, it's so all